The podcast is back. The podcast is back. Yeah. It's Jog Pod time, everybody. Hey, I'm Dustin Jones. Welcome back to Just Another White Guys podcast. Happy to have you along for the ride one more time as we keep season three rolling along. Today, I'm going to be joined by a gentleman that's been on the program previously, uh, Donnie Hernison, and I go way, way back, uh, all the way back to preschool. And uh, we did kindergarten elementary school middle school high school all that stuff we were together pretty much that whole time various classes various activities and uh he's a great guy to talk to he is uh now a teacher in hood river oregon and that's going to be a big part of the conversation that we have today is education in america and, and get his thoughts and perspectives on that of course you know donnie doesn't have all the answers i'm and, and i don't expect him to have how to fix education in america but i think he has a unique perspective to talk about uh, some of the things that are going on with education and the way he sees things uh, from there in Oregon and how uh, the economy has affected what's going on with uh, their funding and some interesting things that I didn't know about. So stay tuned for that. I think uh, it's a good conversation. We'll also be talking about uh, the 20th high school reunion that he went to uh, just a couple of weeks ago for our loved Sandy M High School. And we'll talk a few other things. John McCain, uh, what's going on just in general in the world. And uh, also, we jump into a few things that happened in 1998 just to see if we could remember anything about them. So that was a fun time. We talk about all kinds of good stuff. I just really hope that you enjoy the conversation. I think we'll have Donnie on a few more times as we roll through the year. Talk about uh, some Oregon sports. He and I both uh, share a love of, of sports, so that'll be a good conversation to have. Of course, we are on opposite sides of the Oregon Civil War. He is an Oregon Duck. I am an Oregon Beaver. He is much more likely to have a good time during college football season than I am this year. But, uh, hey, you never know. The Beavers could uh, make some magic happen. Of course, we play uh, Ohio State coming up on Saturday in Columbus. So if we lose by less than 40 points, I think it'll probably be a miracle. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get to uh, this week's episode. I hope that you enjoy the conversation. Remember, you can participate in the show by following me on Twitter at Dustin P. Jones or follow the show's Twitter at JogPod. You can also send emails to the program, jogpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to interact, ask questions, suggest a guest, maybe you'd like to be a guest on the show. Love to hear from you. And please remember, you can like, subscribe, follow the show. We're available on iTunes now. Just uh, search JogPod in iTunes podcast store and you'll find the newest episodes and you can subscribe. They'll be delivered right to you when they become available. Without further ado, let's get this week's podcast rolling. history with brain cancer um, right with your sister with my sister passing away john mccain of course had the brain cancer you just passed away this weekend true interestingly enough on the same day nine years earlier ted kennedy passed away same 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 brain cancer right both senators both die nine years apart 
and they both, I mean, they worked together to co-sponsor a number of bills. You know, I mean, they were in lockstep, even though across the aisle. So something's sorely so. missing these days. I, we'll we'll get into that later, but yeah, it something I've been kind of thinking about today is, I mean, because I've been up since three thirty this morning, I saw that that message and and couldn't go back to sleep. <laughs> and one of the things I've been thinking about is it's it's concerning to me and frustrating that we don't have a clearer path to defeating cancer. It's been around for so long. So many billions of dollars have spent uh, researching and finding, trying to find out about this disease with the number of people that die from it every year. And the fact that it doesn't seem like we're really that much closer to getting rid of it. It, it worries me because there's a small part of me feels like someone actually knows how to get rid of it. And there's so much money in the treatment that they won't, they don't want to let it out. There's like that super cynical part of me that, that feels that way because with all the people and all the resources that have been devoted to that, like the best they've still come up with is injecting people with radiation and doing chemotherapy. Like that's really, that's, that's, that's the same treatment they've been doing for 40 plus years. We're not, we're really not that much closer. I don't know. I, 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 I don't disagree with your cynicism and conspiracy thinking because um, I'm kind of um, completely anti like insurance industry anyway. I just think it's all a big scam. Um, you know, it's all for profit. I think there's a number of things that should not be for profit. You know, uh, you know, health, education, prisons, uh, you know, those kind of things. Uh, right. So I I'm a big proponent of you know like you know, get profit out of those, uh, areas. And so, yeah, I, I, I share your, your cynicism and your skepticism. Um, on the other hand, I'm like, well, I, my belief in thinking, gosh, how could somebody be so cold, somebody be so cold and heartless to do that, you know, but then again, you know, I, I look at big pharma and I say, well, Sure, there are. There's somebody out there that that could do that. You know, that could be that cold, that ruthless. Um, yeah, I can't answer it, obviously. Um, but um, I I wouldn't say I, I can't write you off. How's that? <laughs> and it's scary because I wouldn't. I would imagine that if a science a scientist comes up with a cure or a better treatment independently, and would want as many people to get that as possible. The problem is like you said, when you get big pharma, you get these giant corporations that all they care about is profits and bottom line. You don't know what they're going to choose to do because you're saying, sure, we could have the best PR in the history of the world by saying, Hey, we now have the cure for cancer, but you then eliminate however much percentage of not only your, income but then you're you know cutting out hospital income your kid so it's, it, i just feel right. like a, there's a bunch of people that got in a room and were like um yeah we're not gonna do that thing uh, and and oh that scientist that figured it out um you know oops the the brake lines didn't work on their car and they had a terrible accident. <laughs> like, you know. well you gotta figure there the that scientist is probably funded and bankrolled by a company on the first place that probably owns all of their research and 
you know, I mean, how many uh, independent scientists are there really even who can afford or somehow are funded in a, you know, an, an altruistic way that aren't being funded and bankrolled by big corporations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I, I want to get back to John McCain here in a little while. Um, we there's some interesting conversation I think that can be had about John McCain because to me he has a bit of a complicated legacy. So I, I want to jump back to that in a minute, but we're talking about scientists and, and, and that, and you have a unique position being a teacher on the ground in this country, in this time, which, which I find to be, to be fairly interesting because <laughs> I am very much of the belief that education is the silver bullet to all of the problems that we face in our country. And the reason I say that is because it feels like we are no longer a country that strives to be intelligent and strives to think about things. And the more I've thought, and the more I've thought about it, and I want to get your perspective on this is do our, our children not motivated to learn anymore because they have access to smartphones and stuff like that where they don't need to remember things anymore they just know that hey why do i need to remember that i can punch up an app and type in what i need to know and it'll just give it to me so they're constantly just consuming rather than retaining i think i would say i don't think children are any less motivated to learn um there's there's definitely that that issue of having all that information readily available. So it's not necessarily learning. I'd say learning is different um, because when you and I were in school, there, there was, there wasn't as much of a questioning of information. I don't think, you know, um, when the teacher said, Hey, here's, you know, what it is. You, you, you took it at face value and we did not have the tools to say, well, wait a minute, what about this that says otherwise? Um, and so when you get so many conflicting sources, I think for me, especially as a social studies teacher, the number one thing I can teach is um, you mentioned being a, like a consumer and, and absorbing information. It's, but it's um, that consumer of information and being able to whittle out uh, different sources uh, and see exactly who's saying what kind of stuff, who is backing it up with as we say true facts you know uh versus you know uh what do we call it what was it alternative facts or alternative truth or whatever right uh kelly and conway used um you know being a consumer of of information and understanding where information is coming from what biases might be driving those we just talked about healthcare, you know and you know how do you how do you pick you know who's uh, what kind of insurance you're going to get. You know that that's still a social studies thing where you're looking at different sources of information and trying to decide what's best for you. But at the same time, figuring okay, no, this is actual reality versus you know what somebody is trying to get me to believe that also benefits them. So, does that yeah. make sense? No, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And you talk about the truth, and I feel like our country as a whole suffers from a loss of truth. And I, I've been thinking about something a a little bit recently where my feeling is it's possible that the, there's a correlation between our, our societal loss of, 
and not some. I, I, I'm trying to find the correct way that I want to put it because I've. It's just something that's been stirring in me. But it feels like there ha- there's some sort of connection between our collective lack of acceptance of truth and fact, and our lack of success in math and science throughout the world. Um, I was just reading some some stuff about that in an, a uh, a recent study. So this is from 2015. This is something they do every three years. So I would imagine probably at the end of this year, the program for international student assessment will come out with, with some new facts. But the U.S. placed in 38th out of 71 countries in math and 24th in science. And among 35 members of an organization of economic cooperation and development, which sponsors the program – the U.S. ranked 30th in math and 19th in science. So these these are these are disciplines and fields of study where there is no real ambiguity. It's fact. It's it's there's a problem. You solve for the problem, and you can prove why your answer is correct. It's not it's not up to interpretation. It's fact based learning, and it's almost like we no longer strive it, it we are so conditioned now to question everything and we're not pushing towards learning those disciplines the i would say that i mean i, I agree with you uh math and science seem to be uh straight and narrow uh you know you, you, we have proofs and theorems and everything it's like it's lockstep however uh i would say it's not <laughs> You know, it, it, I think math is its own beast. I think math itself is a its own language, and it has those hardcore. You know, you, you can't you can't even get around it. You know, how many times though have we heard about people questioning science uh, and you know not believing science? And for the same reason, you know, like we just talked about really with the healthcare thing. Uh, you know, who's bankrolling that science? And you you can you can manipulate statistics. Um, and, and that I don't think you can argue that you know you can manipulate numbers to show different things depending on what you're trying to say, and that's why people have started to question everything. Um, you know, I mean, we could also you know look at the, you know just the issues between like science and religion, and if people are so uh, you know tunnel vision on their religion, they will reject everything else. Uh, you know, and I, I pick on religion a lot, uh, but you know, it's, it's not the, it's, it's easy for people to just put the blinders on and, and say, no, 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 I, this is what I've been told my whole life. This is what I've been taught. This is the way it is. I don't care what else you say. And, um, I, <laughs> I bought, you've probably seen that t-shirt, but I bought one, uh, six, seven months ago, but it says like, I think it says, uh, science doesn't care what you believe. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know, uh, and it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not supposed to, you know. Um, but the problem is when you interject profit and money into it, and then it's the question of who's science. You know, uh, you know, we, you know. Do you? You were just saying yourself you were distrusting of uh, the health insurance or that doctor that you know may have found that cancer cure. But when we said when science right now is telling us there's no cure, you know, well, that's what. But what here's, we got. but here's the thing. I'm I'm not distrustful of the science. I'm distrustful of the person in control of that information getting out to the mass. I'm right. not I'm not distrustful of 
of the science or the scientist. I'm just I'm distrustful of the person that dictates where that how that information gets out to the rest of us because in in most situations the scientist wants that as much of his information made available to people as possible but when science is for when the science is for making money and they are not dictating the control of that information that is what i struggle with i I think a, a lot of people will make the same argument um, a, a lot of people uh, who I, um, how do I don't say this in a PC way, a lot of people um, are distrustful of whoever is disseminating the information. And in that same situation, people are distrustful of teachers. They believe that teachers are not acting like your scientists that you mentioned. The people are, they believe that teachers are trying to indoctrinate and put out a specific viewpoint for whatever personal or political reasons. And, you know, and I, I'm not going to say there aren't those teachers out there, um, but, you know, that's not been my experience, you know, 90 percent of the time. <laughs> why? Why do you think teachers have gotten any of any sort of rap like that? Um, I mean, you don't go into teaching because it's a great paying gig and because you're going to like in our society, if you become, in my opinion, if you make the effort to become a teacher it it has to be a calling it has to be a passion that you want to do to be good at it now there are teachers that are not good at being teachers <laughs> and they just show up because you know they went to school for it either realize that they are not that good at it don't care are beat down by the system uh realize that they you know they wanted to be you know uh teacher at a high school and teaching all these different and they end up stuck you know in fourth grade PE or you know all this you have teachers you have teachers teaching subjects that they're not experienced in um, I think you're right I, I think I mean there's all kinds of, and I, I'll be the first to say that that I believe that most teachers probably as you said get beat down uh, you know they you know after 15 20 years 30 years in a lot of cases you know um, it's it, it grades on, or you know, it just grinds you down to the point. Not only because it, it's a hard job in the first place, but there is a lot of it that people feel like they don't. Teachers, especially, don't feel like they have um, control of of what they're doing. It, it's just being dictated to. So they're really just um, like a, a a cog in the machine. Uh, where they're not actually out, you know, inspiring or being creative and doing all that kind of stuff. They're really just um, doing what somebody else is telling them to do. And I think that that when you take away that autonomy from people, it makes it really hard to keep your motivation going. And so in terms of the curriculum that you guys teach, that's all just handed down to you. Do you guys have – is there – I wouldn't say that. I, I, yeah, I, it's not. And it, I, I'd say it, most likely it totally depends on where you're teaching at. Um, you know, I feel like I actually do have for myself a lot of autonomy on on what I want to teach. And I, I don't I wouldn't say, especially in the social studies, I wouldn't say that there's a curriculum where they say, no, you have to teach X, Y, Z in this order, in this manner at this time. I don't have that. Um, I know at lower grade levels, for example, my wife, you know, they have more of a rigid 
standardized curriculum where they're trying to get everybody you know in multiple classes in the same in the same time frame being teaching in the same um, subject area and and my, mine's not like that in, in high school and plus um, it, where I live Hood River County it's a one high school county one high school district um, and there are two teachers that teach us history and between the two of us we hammer out what we want to do uh, how we want to do it um, and even between the two of us, we probably do, we definitely do things a little bit differently, uh, not at the same place at the same time. Our tests are different. You know, you're going to get a different experience depending on what teacher you have. Um, and so that's, you know, I'm, I'm betting it's a total assumption on my part, but in other states and in other school districts, they are probably much more rigid on, uh, on what exactly is taught. For example, when I was teaching in Salem, um, when I first started teaching, this is, uh, 13, 14 years ago, um, it, everything, everything was a little bit more rigid because there were so many more of his teachers teaching the same thing and they tried to keep kids on the same page. So it didn't matter necessarily which teacher you had, they were going to be getting basically the same stuff. Uh, I, I said, I don't, I don't have that experience in my current district. I would guess in Texas, you, <laughs> it's probably a different story. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, I think some of the books down here in Texas uh, have made uh, their own choices in, in what they want to, to share with people. Um, we hear a lot about school funding, and you know, there's there are memes that go around about the teacher that's dipping into their own pockets to, to do, you know, to fund things in the classroom and, and things like that. Is is that something you see a lot in Hood River? Is that something that's happening even there, or do you guys have? Uh, that's something i see everywhere i mean i can't tell you a teacher that doesn't spend money for their own classroom um you know and definitely the 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 younger the students or the the lower level grade teachers probably do it way more you know and in my own family i know you know i said inga spends way more of her own time and volunteer hours you know doing a lot more stuff for her students than mine i have high school kids that probably won't care how many posters I have up and you know what my classroom looks like and I'm not handing out markers to them and right. there's a whole different level of responsibility and um, than, than what happens in elementary schools is is there yeah. is there much account taken in to how how different children learn in different ways or is it oh yeah totally because we because I think back to when we were in school and we also had a very different school experience than a lot of kids because we lived in such a small community. But we also, you go back in, in that far back in time because we're so old, Donnie. We are literally <laughs> so old. We, we had our 20th high school reunion this summer. That's how old we are. Okay. High, it was yeah. 20 years ago we were in high school. So to go back even <laughs> further, it, back into to elementary school and stuff like that, we we learned in a different way and we didn't have access to all the information that kids do now. And we didn't, we also didn't have the same outside stimulus that all these younger kids have. So has, has the learning (laughs) good way to put distraction (laughs) is, is, is there consideration built in now, um, for the changing world that we live in where kids are inundated with so much information outside of school and the way they absorb that information is, or is, or is education still a little bit behind the curve in terms of kind of teaching in ways that they, they've taught for a long time. 
I think you're going to have um, teachers will, from my experience, and, and like I said, especially at the high school level, teachers will go back to what they're comfortable with, with the way they best learned in the first place, and then branch out from there. Um, I know in my own classroom, um, you you may not be familiar with this term, but it's something called uh, differentiation, um, where you do account for different learning styles among different students, um, and you try and tailor your instruction to, to those different students. It can be really hard, uh, you know, in a in an elementary classroom where you have hopefully 25 students or fewer and you see them all day, every day. It is much easier to tailor your instructions, I think, to those different kinds of kids. You know, you know, you know, these, you know, group of five or six, seven students, they learn best with some kind of visual stimuli. And these five or six students learn best with auditory instructions. And, you know, these middle group, you know, they're good with whatever. Um, and so, you know, you can, you can do different kind of groupings, different kind of instructions for different groups of kids based on how they learn best at the high school level. It's the same thing on a much bigger scale. You know, I've got roughly 180 students. Um, and so trying to tailor instructions to 180 different students, you know, when it's, it's really hard, uh, when you're changing every hour or hour and a half, you know, trying to, to change your classroom to fit certain groups of kids. It's challenging, but there are ways to uh, to build it into your um, your your classroom structure to, to make it happen. When I first started teaching at Hood River, um, I did a, a system. Uh, it was called layered curriculum, but basically you build in a bunch of different activities, and you really take the um, the the learning responsibility. You take it away from the teacher and as far as disseminating information and being the the gatekeeper and holder of all knowledge. You put it back on the students and you say, okay, here's where we want to go. I'm giving you some choices on how you get there. And it gives them a lot more independence and freedom. It was, I really liked teaching that way. It looked like chaos in my classroom, but it was a controlled chaos. Um, but it was uh, – I, I had a lot of good students that, that really, I think, enjoyed that level of learning or in that way of learning. Um, I, I haven't done it as much in my U.S. history class, um, but, which I've been doing for the last eight years. Uh, so, you know, but it's something that a, a lot of teachers describe to, um, to, to be able to try and give kids choices in how they learn best. Um, it's, it's something that it can work, but the structure is, is tough, and you have to be comfortable with that kind of chaos. And last thing, and then we'll we'll switch gears and, and not talk about teaching and, and all this stuff. Um, with as much time and energy that is spent educating our kids and all the time that the kids spend in schools, then that they're they're actually required to show up at. Why is it so hard to get more money spent on schools? We spend. And and while I mean we do spend quite a bit. If you look at the the national funding breakdowns of you know what is spent per per child, but how, why is it not more? Why is that not our number one priority? We are literally setting the tone for how the the individuals in our society will live the rest of their lives. I mean you're 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 build, giving them building blocks because and. We, well, we want to we want to encourage children to continue learning after the fact because if you if you think that you're getting out of school and then you stop learning you're going to live a real boring life. <laughs> but if you give kids building blocks 
toward a quality education to then lead them out into the workforce or onto college or to go into the military, whatever choice that they make after that, why why don't we why is it not our number one priority to make sure that our schools are the best funded and our teachers are the best compensated? Why is that not the most important thing that happens in our country? Well, what do you think is the magic number for spending? A lot more than it is now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to define. That's the, that's one of the problems, you know. Um, and it, it, there, I wouldn't say there is a magic number. And when you're talking about just that term, more, you know, it's uh, you can never satisfy that. And if you want to say we're, we need to be spending more, I mean, in the state of Oregon, we're spending more than ever before. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not enough apparently and so is that this question what is the number how much does it cost or how much should it cost to educate a kid and, you know and then there's always the question of not just the n- number of dollars but how those dollars are being allocated um you know you'll, you'll always find a, a battle of, of how the that money is being spent um in oregon we we do have this big elephant in the room of PERS, uh, the, the public, ed, um, public employee retirement system. Um, and you know, it, it, it does have some problems, uh, that, uh, it, it started all the way back in the seventies and those problems are coming home to roost now, uh, when you've got a bunch of, well, baby boomers who are retiring, and uh, were really promised, uh, a, a pretty exorbitant, retirement in in lieu of pay increases back in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s and then now those those educators and uh, public employees in general are, are retiring and they had a contract and they need to get paid uh and people are saying wow that money's just not there and most of it is because of the the economic downturn uh down to, or from uh, the 2008 crash when the stock market crashed the the PERS system was based on stock market returns. And when the stock market crashed, uh, that money that was supposed to pay these people disappeared. And yet those people still had a contract. They're still supposed to be getting paid with money that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and so it's, you know, when you get a huge increase every year in school funding, a lot of it is going to pay those retirement contracts of people that have been retired for 10, 15 years. Uh, and, and people, teachers, teachers, especially now, um, but, uh, PERS in general, which includes like fire, police, you know, public employees whatsoever, the reforms, there were reforms made, gosh, nearly 20 years ago now, but, um, people are still saying, wait a minute, this is still, it's not fixing it. It's not fixing it. And the problem is those people who are drawing on those, uh, golden parachute accounts, well, they're still alive. They're still, you know, the, the, the problem is really just not going to go away until those people die. <laughs> so once yeah. again, while the talk is that millennials are the problem, it's really these fucking baby boomers that are the problem. <laughs> so that's and, I, and that's why I think we see so many articles about millennials being the problem is because it's the baby boomers that are in charge of putting out all these articles because they're the ones that are still in power. So it, basically, and they also, fuck them. They set the system up. Yeah, you know they set the system up, and they're complaining that it's still not working. And you know, I don't know. It's it, it's it was a problem that was that should have been foreseen. But um, you know, I said especially in Oregon, you've got you know a lot of uh, 
bad press from people, you know, I, I can only segue into sports here, but people like Mike Bellotti, um, you know, uh, who retired from coaching in Oregon and gets paid because of PERS, gets $50,000 a month Jeez. from that system. Oh, my God. That's his retirement, you know. And so you say, why isn't Mike Bellotti coaching anymore? Why would you? Why would you? <laughs> Let's see. I don't uh, have the stress of – uh, working in a high-profile organization. I don't have to go out and try to recruit. I don't have to deal yeah. with wins and losses, and I'm going to get a check for 50 grand each month. Fif- yeah. 50 grand. Yeah, I think, yeah. I'll just, I think I'll just stay home and go fishing or you know whatever yeah. in this nice, beautiful house that the Nike money that came in gave me, which, yeah. the, which I didn't have to really do anything for other than wear the swoosh on my chest. Yeah, and that's all taxpayer-funded money now, you know. And so, you know, taxpayers are funding Mike Bellotti's retirement at fifty grand a month, and and people are complaining about PERS, PERS, PERS. Where, you know, that you know, I don't, I don't know any teachers that are getting fifty grand a month, right. you know, in retirement. You know, um, but you also have a lot of the um, high-profile doctors who were teachers at places like OHSU in Portland, um, and they are retiring on. You know, it's it's the same. They they're not as high as Mike Bellotti, but they're they're way up there. They're getting like you know something like thirty grand, forty grand a month um, because they were making so much money at the time that they retired. It's quite a lot. So um, and so so what I would I would say is definitely they should be looking at funding increases to at least pay teachers uh, whatever it is that they're having to pay out of their own pockets. And those and covering it so that uh, t- our teachers shouldn't have to be working second jobs to be able to make ends meet. That's that's something that I heard I've heard about with from teachers in Oklahoma. Like not only do they work their full time teaching job, do all the stuff that comes with that, but also they have to have businesses on the side just so you know they can pay all their bills. I I don't like that we live in a world where that is the case. Right, and I think um, you know, I, I think like you said, Oklahoma is a special case too. Oh God, I mean, Oklahoma is terrible. Of, yeah, lots of negative publicity too about how low their teachers are. I think they're um, they're pretty far down there. Oregon, we are. I want to say in the upper third for sure. I haven't looked at the numbers for a while, but upper third of pay. So you know, I'm not I'm not working a second job. My wife's not working a second job. Um, you know, there are teachers out here that do it. Um, I, I think most choose to do it. Um, you know, once you get to that certain point, uh, you know, where, you know, you're, you're not having to take a whole lot of, we still have to do like classes every summer, you know, and you have to maintain to certifications up. and stuff like exactly. that. Right? Yeah. And once you get to like master's, a master's degree, that's like the bulk of what you need to do. Like that's like the final, like required level. But then after that, it's like, you have to maintain certifications. Yes. Um, so there's a certain number of classes you've got to take. You know, um, every couple of years you have to get so many credits and stuff like that. So there's there's ways to do it, but you don't have to have a second job necessarily. But you ha- you have to pay for those certifications yourself. You know, so, but it's an interesting so, yeah. it's an interesting system that you have to work within. Yeah, well, you know, and we have um, you know education is controlled by every state, you know, and so you're gonna find huge variations, you know, depending on wherever you go um, throughout the country, you know, and so which is, I, I think is a good thing. Uh, you know, I think states should control it. I, I believe in. Uh, I actually believe in even more local control. I would love Hood River County to be able to do whatever we wanted to do and control the whole thing, um, even more so than we do without the state even having complete oversight on what we're doing. Um, you know, just like I don't think the Washington D.C. should be telling the states this is what you have to do. 
I, I say, you know, let the states, you know, do their thing uh, and have a little bit of control on that little bit. Um, you know, you can increase accountability somehow, I imagine. Um, um, but, of course, it's controlled with dollars. That's the only way we have accountability. So it's it's really hard. Uh, but I, I, would, I believe in local control. <laughs> next time next time we'll talk about this, we'll talk about all the terrible teachers that are out there because there are some terrible teachers and, and how you think how you think that they should be punished. Should we boil them in oil? Should they be stoned? <laughs> should, you know, those are you know, fun things. But let's switch gears here yeah. because, as I mentioned previously, uh, we are old. We yeah. uh, Our 20th high school reunion was, uh, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago. Now, technically, I fall into a weird gray area because I technically didn't graduate from San Diego. I did go for the first part of senior year, but then I moved away. But, I mean, I basically grew up – I basically we all went to school for basically our entire lives together. Right, true. So – it was it was weird. I was like, you know what? You know what? I didn't get invited to. I didn't get invited to the reunion for the school I actually graduated from. So, <laughs> really? Did they have one? I have no idea. I think no. I. Let's see. I'm trying to think of the people that I went to high school with in Coal Strip. I think I have one person on my Facebook that was in that class. Wow. And I don't even really talk to her. <laughs> How big was that class that you graduated with? Um, it was, it was bigger than San Yam. I want to say the entire school. <laughs> uh, well, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, like 120 people, I think, maybe. Okay, right. So, I mean, that's that's about the size of San Yam these days. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so, pretty close. Man. So you guys, so you guys put together a reunion. Uh, our uh, I don't want, I don't want to take any credit for it. Lucinda Jordan was the all star who did. I was all just I was just yeah. about to give her all of the credit. I saw yeah. the Facebook messages. I, I I obviously wasn't there uh, because the reunion was very rudely on my birthday. And if anyone <laughs> if anyone knows about me and my birthday, my my birthday is a very sacred time in which uh, it's all about me. I'm not traveling <laughs> to see all of you guys. All right, I'm the worst. <laughs> I was I was very yeah. busy on my birthday. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun day. Lucinda did a, a great job um, organizing it. Um, it was held in Salem, um, and you know, like I'd say, the the wasps uh, were uninvited guests. Uh, they probably took over a little bit more than the uh, people would like. Uh, so we had lots of bee problems, um, but otherwise, it was good to see everybody. Um, there were. Only 15 grads um, out of our 61, um, and it was. I think there's only three guys there: uh, me, Adam, Mumi, and Sam Ruby. Um, and but it was good to see everybody. Uh, you know, it was. Um, it, it's an interesting um, dynamic these days because I'd say probably 70% of the people that were there, of the 15 people that were there, I am also friends with on Facebook, you know, and so it's like, you know, you, you kind of have an idea of where people are at, what they're doing, you, you know, a lot of those people I'm I'm in contact with and, and, and chatting with online, so it, it, it wasn't like a complete, uh, you know, learning everything all of a sudden about people, uh, it wasn't like that, you know, so, but it was very cordial, it was, like, it was fun to, to hang out. Um, and see people uh, that I, I, you know, I haven't physically seen in a long time. I'll use Lucinda as one example. I haven't seen her, seen her since we were in college. Um, and, you know, then she went off to medical school in Mexico and and is is now a doctor in Beaverton. 
uh, and I hadn't seen her and, you know, it's probably been at least 15 years, uh, more than that, maybe. Uh, and it was just good to see people, you know, in the, in the physical sense, rather than just, uh, typing at them behind the keyboard. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anyone that showed up that you were surprised? You were like, Oh, Hey, wow. That's, that's awesome that they showed up. Not really. Um, you know, I was, I, I will admit that I was kind of surprised and I'm just as guilty of this as anybody, but, um, how I don't say how quickly, but um, or maybe it was how naturally. Really, uh, the 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 group of fifteen or so plus spouses um, kind of uh, broke apart into two different social groups, um, and it was you know it was very high school ish. Um, it, it was like you know people went and hung out with and talked to the people that they hung out with and talked to in high school, uh, and so with, I, I'm not gonna say it's a bad thing, but I definitely noticed it. Yeah. So the the clicks yeah. the clicks were still in effect, you know. Yeah, I I, I would say yes. Um, it, it was there, um, and so it was. Like I said the this the social groups that you saw in high school, that was basically what we saw um, at the reunion, um, and it, it was interesting. Um, you know, even with uh, you remember Justin Babbitt, um, Justin Babbitt who graduated the year after us, ninety uh, nine grad. He has been to every one of our class reunions. It's been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, Justin and Lindsay are like basically best friends, and they go everywhere. It seems like uh, the only the only person I yeah. see on Lindsay's Instagram more than her kids is Justin. So <laughs> probably true. Yeah, and like well, and you throw Spring into the mix as well. Um, spring was actually a good one to see that you know because uh, Spring is not really on social media, so seeing her was was, was really nice. I would say she's probably. If I had to pick somebody that it was, it was good to see that I hadn't seen in a really long time and was able to catch up with, Spring was probably the number one. That is is good stuff. Um, when 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 do you think you stop wanting to see have reunions? Do you think the do you think you're gonna want to keep doing reunions? Uh, like I would imagine they'll do something at 25 or something like that. Was there? And and how do you get people to want to come to reunions? Because I mean, you like you said, there were sixty one people in our graduating class. Your, I don't know, our whatever the graduating class that I most likely would have been a part of had I not moved. Um, <laughs> but um, how do you get how do you get people to want to show up? Is it because I mean, we we were such a small community and we all knew each other. Like, how do you not get like a Kevin or an Aaron or you know those? How how did how is it that those guys don't show up? I, well, you know, I I can't obviously speak for everybody, you know, but um, I, I wouldn't say you know I I don't have the answer because obviously we didn't get people to show up. Um, and I send out a few messages uh, to people, and probably with too short term a notice, um, but like. Uh, to Eric, uh, to Justin, when uh, people who I, I knew how to get a hold of and said, "Hey, I, I, you know, I don't know if you know if this is even going on, but you know, I just want to make sure you knew about it. It's coming up in a week or two. You know, you know, it would be good to see you guys." Um, and and none of them showed up. Still, um, you know, even uh, th- there's quite a, pe- a few people that that live in Salem um, and, and weren't able to make it out. You know, and so it's like, well, if you know, and I. Uh, I was not the person who drove the farthest. I'm two hours away. Um, but, uh, like Sam Ruby came up from Southern California. Uh, um, and he, he's been, um, in the military for 20 years almost. And, you know, he, he, uh, was able to get up from Southern California. So as far as I know, he 
with the one that traveled the furthest. Um, and so I don't know he, <coughs> how to get people up, uh, how to get people that are even in that town to show up. Um, it's really hard. I would, you know, venture to another area. Uh, it's the same thing with the uh, San Diego alumni basketball tournament, yep. you know, where you, you got people who are, I mean, it's, it's Mill City. I'm going to venture to guess that there ain't a whole hell of a lot going on. You know, in uh, on on Veterans Day weekend, uh, so November, it's dark, it's cold, it's raining, and there's not a whole lot going on in Mill City, you know. But people still don't even come to that, um, you know. And they live in Mill City, so it's it, it. There's clearly, I don't know if maybe if people didn't have the same kind of connections with the either the school or the people. Um, and you know, they don't really want to see people, you know, uh, so it doesn't matter to them. Um, but, uh, I, I don't have the answer for, for how you get people to come. And I mean, I can't really say anything. I haven't showed up to anything for San Yam in uh, 20 years. So yeah, you're also a long ways away. <laughs> I, I have, I, yeah, yeah. I really have not been close to anything in San Yam, uh, since 2001. So, I mean, I've literally lived at least two time zones away every year since then. So it's not it's not a hops but i am a little bit it, it does uh it does depress me a little bit that had i shown up maybe i would have won the prize for the person that traveled the farthest and so you know maybe that's something to, maybe that's something to think about for next time for me you know i'm motivated i'm motivated, I'm motivated by winning prizes so <laughs> So we, uh, well, I'll talk to Lucinda and see if we can't get something together for That's right. uh, who traveled the farthest. I know. will say this. Anyone that uh, – because I'm going to post I, – I did I did cheaply plug my own podcast on the Reunion Facebook group. And so I, I, saw that. I will – you know, I'm, I'm a whore trying to get listeners, Donnie. I'm trying to build an audience. <laughs> we're trying to do something with this. But I, I will say that anyone that is listening uh, that that hasn't listened to this podcast before – I will be back uh, in Oregon for Christmas. So if you guys want to have a reunion, I'm sure my mom would love to just have y'all to come out to the house and, and we'll just, you know, the uh, where, the type of refre- the there? type of refreshment served would probably be slightly different. Um, <laughs> my mom lives uh, outside of Albany, uh, kind of outside of Lebanon. She lives out in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so she's uh, yeah. she's out in the uh, boonies uh, by Lebanon and in that area. So nice, that's good. Yeah, it's out in the so. middle of nowhere. You know the kind of places where they report on the latest cougar sighting. So that's always no, of course, exciting. Yeah. That's always fun to think about. So you, uh, so shout out to uh, all the uh, nineteen ninety eight San Diego High School alumni folks. Uh, you know, congratulations on still being alive twenty years later. <laughs> Yeah, it was, like I said, it was good to see everybody. Uh, you know, like I said, who knows if we'll do a 25. We had, we did do – we did 10, 15, 20. Uh, you know, we're – I guess I'd say we're on track for 25, but uh, we'll, well we see. Should, you should do next year at 21, and then just it'll, <laughs> just it'll just be a pure drinking part. You know, put it up on the put it up on the hill or whatever. Whatever, uh, there you go. One of those places I was never cool enough to get invited to. Yeah, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never been there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we uh, – so you had mentioned uh, in our conversations leading up to recording this podcast that uh, you'd, you'd gone camping with an old friend of both of ours, um, Brittany, Brittany Davidson and her family. What, uh, what was that like this weekend? Did you guys have a good time? We were supposed to go camping. Uh, unfortunately, the, the weather up here has turned. Um, well, it turned this last weekend. We actually finally got our first 
it wasn't cold, but a colder spell um, where it was like in the 70s everywhere. But on the Oregon coast, it was in the 60s uh, and rain forecast. So we bagged camping. Um, we ended up at the uh, in McMinnville at the Wings and Waves Water Park. Um, it's a if you haven't been there, it's a it's a air museum. Um, they've got all kinds of cool airplanes everywhere and fighter jets and uh, everything. Um, but they have taken one of the uh, they've taken a retired 747 and put it up on top of a building and uh, manufactured water slides out of the fuselage. Um, and so you, you, you climb up to the top of this building um, and you go into the fuselage of a 747. And from inside there, there are four different water slides um, that you can go out of. I believe it's the only water park in the, I don't know if it's the country or the world, uh, that um, starts of a, a 747. That is so it was a lot crazy. of fun. <laughs> yeah, the Wings and Waves Water Park in in McMinnville. It's it really cool. Um, and so, but uh, it was good. We got the kids together. Um, it was funny because you know I had um, so Brittany actually graduated with my wife Inga. Uh, Brittany was the one that introduced Inga and myself um, back in college. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I don't um, think I knew that. So yeah, so it was uh, Brittany introduced us uh, when we were at Western Oregon University in Monmouth. Um, and then right at the end of our college careers, actually Inga and I were on the same floor as freshmen. Um, but she was dating some other guy and was, you know, way out of my league. So I never really approached her at that point. Um, and it wasn't until like three years later, uh, that she was no longer dating, uh, anybody. And Brittany called me up and said, Hey, uh, come over to my house for dinner. Uh, and, um, introduced me to Inga and then things just went on from there. So, a little matchmaker uh, so, going on over there. Well, she did a good job, apparently. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, like I said, so we hadn't seen Brittany. Uh, uh, Brittany lives down in Salem and Kaiser. Um, and uh, we hadn't seen her in probably, it's probably been like eight or nine years. Um, and then uh, things kind of worked out this summer with the 20th reunion uh, with the Hood River um, High School. 20th reunion, uh, which Brittany and Inga graduated from here. Uh, so we saw Brittany then, uh, we did happen to see Brittany a couple weeks before that as well. Um, she had a conference up here with her business. Um, and then again, seeing there, so we've seen her three times this summer, whereas we hadn't seen her said in, in the eight or nine years before that. But, uh, the big thing is uh, our kids have hit it off. Um, my oldest daughter and Brittany's youngest daughter have, you know, seemed to click really well together. Um, and, um, so that, that made it really easy. And, um, Brittany also married a, a buddy of mine from college too. Um, and so it's nice to, to get together with them, um, but, and, uh, be able to go out to the water park and, and, and enjoy the day. Uh, and hang Sound, out. Sounds, sounds like a really good time. Now you didn't, you did mention that you had, you'd met some interesting people or run into some interesting people <laughs> and heard, or maybe heard, overheard some interesting conversations. So I'm curious as to, as to what that's about. Well, you know, the uh, it, it goes, I'd say, to a political nature, of course. Um, but uh, so towards the end of the day, my youngest daughter um, had started swimming with and hanging out with uh, these other two little girls, um, a, a pair of twins, um, who beautiful little kids, awesome, you know, and, and uh, they were swimming in this uh, deeper pool, whatever. Um, and these girls were, I want to say, eight, eight years old, and my youngest daughter is uh, she's almost six. Um, and so they were swimming together, and 
um, their mom had actually come over and was just standing kind of by me and started asking questions about my daughter. And so we just started chatting. Um, and it just kind of, uh, led from one thing to another that she had just moved. Um, she and her family had just moved up to Oregon, um, eight weeks before from Northern California. Um, and it like just immediately delved into this, uh, political, well, I would call it a political rant. Um, uh, but just that, uh, they moved up here because California had become a sanctuary state. Um, and all of the quote unquote illegals were overrunning the state. Um, and so she moved up to the, the, the bastion of conservatism, uh, in, in Oregon, I guess. <laughs> you know? Uh, and you know, like she really, she, she really did her research on that one. Yeah. You know, and I, well, she, she talked about, you know, trying to afford a place and struggling to afford a place in California. Um, and you know, I wouldn't say Oregon's a whole lot better. It's definitely better, but they did settle on the Oregon coast, um, in seaside. Um, but it was just—it was interesting. Um, the stories she had to tell about why they moved, um, and she—the first thing I would say is just the amount of controversy that happened to this one family, allegedly, you know, was shocking to me. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, off the top, I can't say I—I I totally believe all her stories now. Um, she uh, she has seven kids, um, and which is. You know, kudos to her for that. Uh, two sets of twins, um, which would be tough. Um, yeah. So, um, and then uh, ch- children in between and and an older, I think. And she was telling me how her oldest son, who is twenty, um, she said that on the day that he turned eighteen, her teachers took her son, uh, the, the kids' teachers took her son down to the post office and registered him to vote and told him who to vote for. Um, you know, and of course it was those horrible Democrats, um, that those, those mean teachers were making kids do this and that her, her kid called her up and, uh, on the phone and said, mom, what do I do? You know, I don't want to do this. And of course those mean teachers forced him to register to vote at the post office during a school day for those Democrats and to vote for those for, for Democrats. So I was like, okay, fine. I listened to that story, you know, and um, her daughter also struggled um, when she was 13, I guess. I'm not sure how old her daughter is now, but her daughter had a problem that she went on an overnight field trip um, and the teachers forced her daughter to share a bed with a transgender, uh, maybe not transgender, uh, but a, a, a boy who identified as a girl. Um, and you know, the daughter called up mom and said, mom, what do I do? You know, and you know, mom was, you know, right there defending her daughter, uh, saying she shouldn't have to do that. And also her, uh, her youngest twin daughters who were swimming with my daughter there, one of them, um, was allegedly suspended for two weeks at the very end of school, the last two weeks of school, because a little boy had fallen on the playground. And this girl, um, the girl would have been like first grade at the time. So like six or seven years old. Um, and the, a little boy had fallen on the playground and hurt his hand. And the seven year old girl apparently told the, the boy, Hey, I'll pray for you. I hope you feel better. And the, the school suspended her daughter for two weeks 
um, and would not let her come back to school simply for saying, I pray for you. Um, and his mom said she took the school district to court um, and forced them to bring her daughter back. So I was like, I, you know, I don't know any courts that work that fast, but that's what she said. She must, um, she must have one of those. She must know one of those special courts. I, I'm, right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb on 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 this one and say that this lady is full of shit. I have no idea, you know. Um, she, but that she wasn't even done. See, there was more, uh, you know. And she said that uh, she had she herself had personally been attacked at the same grocery store parking lot seven times by illegals, um, you know. And and. I was, so she yeah, she knew yeah. for she knew for a fact that they were illegals, or were they just brown people? According to her, she said, I, "All I know is she said they were illegals. That's all I know." Um, so you know, they could have been you know purple or whatever. I have no idea, but she said they were illegals. Um, I my first thought was, why do you keep going back to the same store? You've been <laughs> attacked by seven seven times, dude. I was, I was gonna make the same. I was gonna make the same joke. Yeah. And so she she had applied um, for a concealed carry permit um, from the the county or the state. I'm not sure who controls that in California, but it took four times um, for her to, to be granted her uh, her concealed carry permit. And so she was fired up about that too. Um, so anyway, this is all within like a 25 minute conversation. Um, I got all those stories out, you know, from her and. You know, at, at that point, I told her, well, I was a high school teacher myself, um, you know, and and. I, I'd never heard of, you know, that much stuff happening, you know, to not only to one person but to to one family. Um, I thought that was a pretty crazy story. Uh, not crazy in the the hey you're a psycho. Um, even kind though of she situation, probably is. Even though she probably she you know what she was she was I mean, she was I, a very I, nice. Lady. I apologize for passing judgment, but <laughs> when I hear stories like that, I mean. I'm was, I'm a terrible person, but I'm I judge people because I'm not a Christian. And I feel like I can judge whoever I want. Well, I just wonder how many you know. And my wife pointed this out when I mentioned it to her five minutes later because I could not wait to tell the story to both her and Brittany. Um, that you know she might be one of those people, and I have no idea. You know, total judgment, but one of those people who who tell themselves these stories so many times that they actually start to believe it. You know, and yeah, they no, believe absolutely. that they're being picked upon. Um, and so anyway, so they moved up. They, they left that that liberal, you know, hellhole of California and moved up to Seaside, <laughs> Oregon. Um, and so hopefully things work out for her and her, her family of seven. Or no, I guess there's nine of them. Um, and 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 so, you know, I, I wish her all the best. Um, but I just I was like, wow. Okay, <laughs> a, a blessing yeah. upon their house for no further yeah. uh, no yeah. further drama. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, especially not that much to any one family. That's too much. That is too much. <laughs> even if even if there's slivers of truth in any of those stories, that is a lot to deal with. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll see. Like I said, hopefully they hopefully things work out for them. <laughs> so you know, uh, we'll uh, we'll start wrapping up here, but let's let's talk about something lighter and talk about the compli- complicated legacy of John McCain. You know, a <laughs> much light, lighter, yes. a light topic, a light topic to round out the day. <laughs> so, uh, if, obviously, I, I'm sure most of you listening to this know John McCain, Senator of Arizona, American uh, veteran and war hero, passed away uh, due to brain cancer. Um, certainly, a very sad end to. <sighs> he is good and bad 
a an American hero. Like he's a he is someone that served his country and you know was a prisoner of war for five years and was tortured and broken and you know but when you broken start a tough word to say. I mean, I no, no, he no he yeah. said no he said Oh, I mean, not broken, like not physically, like because of that. But he, at one point, broke due to torture. I mean, he is a he said that, so that's what I mean. No, by all right, I, fair that's, enough. That's what I was talking about about, about that. Not like mm-hmm. I wasn't for one time in my life I was not being an asshole. <laughs> but he does have. You see a lot, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter over the last couple of days. A lot of people praising him and, and this sort of stuff. But he he does have a complicated history. If you you know kind of dig down into. Um, some of the stuff that he did politically, but w- regardless of what you want to say, I mean, he certainly uh, served his country and and um, dedicated his life to public service after returning. So you have to you have to tip your hat to him uh, and and show some respect. Of course, the president of the United States um, has not bothered to show any respect to him really at all, uh, including uh, ordering. The uh, the flag at the White House to return to full staff today, which um, right. is amazing yes. when you look around and yeah. see all of the other flags uh, lowered to half staff as uh, John McCain is actually li- lying in state. Um, you know, I yeah. I honestly don't really even want to talk about Donald Trump because, quite frankly, it's exhausting. And <laughs> I've tried very hard to not really like I dislike a lot of people. I hate Donald Trump. I hate everything that he stands for. He's disgusting. He has turned an already complicated and divisive country. Uh, again, he's just really opened the floodgates to pitting people against each other, and mm. and I and I really am disgusted by that. So I don't really even want to talk about that beyond the fact that <laughs> he's a criminal and I I, I hate him. Um, but you don't want to talk about it, right? That's right. That's that's my limited conversation about Trump. The fact that we made it an hour into this conversation before I buried Trump yeah. is pretty impressive. But Fair wh- what what are your thoughts as a social studies teacher? Uh, what are your thoughts about John McCain? Well, uh, you know, we could obviously talk about you know, like you mentioned, his um, Vietnam War experience um, and how that propelled him to be really. Um, I don't want to say he was anti-Iraq war, um, but he was definitely, I would say, and he, he was not a um, get-in-line uh, Republican, you know, and that his maverick status, um, being not afraid to challenge uh, leadership within his own party um, for, you know, both uh, reasons for going to war, use of torture during the war, all those uh, things. So, you know, be, having the courage to, to stand up uh, and and be the guy who would go against the grain. I think that's, uh, in my opinion, John McCain's most enduring legacy. Um, that being the guy that will will stand up for what's right versus what's both uh, politically expedient and the power play, the political power play. Um, that, that's one thing I will always remember about John McCain. Um, you know, I could also say, you know, the other thing is for the mistake of uh, Sarah Palin. You know, that was. You know, he, I think John McCain might have had a decent shot um, in the presidency in 2008, if not for Sarah Palin. Um, that was – I'm not sure you can you can mention a bigger mistake that he made than that one. Yeah, and I mean yeah. the he had to do 
things that I think maybe he, in retrospect, maybe wished he wouldn't have had to do. He definitely had to shift further to the right um, once he won the Republican nomination um, to to keep a base uh, engaged. Um, that I don't think he had to. No, he did. Go go look at his record. He shifted very oh, far to the right on his I'm not policies. Arguing that he, he did it, but I'm uh, I'm arguing that he didn't have to. Oh well, uh, I, you know. Well, I just don't think. I mean, because who? There was no third party candidate in that race, if I recall. Um, so, and I think probably very similar to this last, uh, election 2016, there were probably plenty of people out there who simply would have voted anti-Obama, you know, and would have voted for McCain either way. The fact that he had that little R next to his name was all they needed. Yeah, but he had, but in, in some ways I think he did have to because in order to appease those that would write checks to him for him to continue to fund his campaign, he, he probably had to, had to make, make some of those decisions. Um, he, he was a supporter of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, Phil Graham was a chief architect who was a chief mm-hmm. architect of the Enron collapse and subprime mortgage prizes, was his unofficial economic advisor, the Sarah Palin stuff. Um, he, you know, and he was one of the, he was a part of trying to do things like defund Planned Parenthood. He also was very much against, uh, ultimate fighting back in the early nineties, which I was very annoyed by, even though he loved boxing, but he was against, uh, he was against ultimate fighting because of, you know, quote unquote, it was, uh, human cock fighting, whatever. Yeah. So I, mean, I, he has, I was unaware of that. <laughs> yeah. He has. The the problem is, it, over time, things get lost to history, and you know the good and the bad. Especially when someone gets sick and and then they pass away. Someone is so high profile. There's a tendency to remember the good stuff. Oh, he was a maverick. Oh, he did you know the this good thing and that good thing, and he stood up. And all of those can be valid, but at the same time, he also had some things that uh, that that weren't so awesome. Um, you know, something interesting that I didn't know until I was reading about. So John McCain was actually born in the Panama Canal Zone, which is now part of the Republic of Panama, which, which at the time was a, was a U.S. protectorate, was never really part of the United States. So as much as there was this birther controversy about President Obama, it's actually a known fact that, that uh McCain was not born in the United States and it's there's a question of whether he would have even have been eligible to be the president of the United States uh at the time it did, I remember it did come up at this um during that and it was kind of during the 2006 to the 2008 election right um in that he it it wasn't it was glossed over um because the, the Panama Canal zone um, as I teach it too, um, was um, what do they call it? An unincorporated territory, right. um, and so it, yeah, it, it was technically U.S. territory, you know. Uh, and so at that point, it's like saying that um, uh, somebody born on a U.S. military base, you know, that's that's unincorporated U.S. territory. Right. So people people who are born on military bases are automatically citizens. Um, so I, I think it's it's in the same realm of that. Um, so it was kind of, it was basically, you know, it, it's something I considered completely uncontroversial. You know, yeah, I, I would never um, question 
John McCain the citizenship because of the Panama Canal Zone. <laughs> I I will say the one the one memory that stands out for me most about John McCain, and this has nothing to do with John Mr. McCain himself, as so much as what I knew about him. I was not particularly well educated on uh, John McCain. I didn't know that much about him when he was running for election. And I didn't know about his injuries and stuff like that. Um, he, he was not someone that I had, had ever learned much about. And I was working at a radio station just out of college. Um, and the owner of the radio station was former U.S. Senator Rod Grahams. And I had made a stupid young person, uh, something that, I, that as a young person I would say because I was an idiot. And I made a crack about um, – I didn't. Tr- I didn't trust someone that couldn't raise their arms above their shoulders. Uh, talking about how you know, because John McCain had been injured and uh, uh, all the torture he had gone through. I I wasn't aware of any of that because I I had not taken the time to learn about him. And Senator Grams set me straight and was like, "Hey, you don't say something like that. You don't understand what this man has been through. You need to go learn about that." And 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 come to an appreciation for what that man went through. Disagree with disagree with his politics, but don't say something like that. And it was a it was a wake up call for me. And in knowing that making a what I thought was a super hilarious joke um, could be seen as as complete disrespect because of my lack of education about right. Senator McCain. And that's that's an enduring memory that I have that relates to John McCain is not, you know, directly because of him, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't know any better and, and I learned more and, and that was uh, an important lesson that I have uh, taken from, from well, at the same time, able to admit you were wrong, uh, you know, about it. So that, that you know, aside from the, the raising your arms anyway, you know, that issue, you know, just being, uh, learning humility. How's that? How's that? Yeah. yeah and if anything, if, the, if I've learned anything in my life, it's how to be humble. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of my strongest, one of my strongest, uh, strongest attributes. So should we, uh, before we wrap this up, should we talk a little bit of, we were talking earlier about how old we are. Should we talk about a, a couple of things that happened in 1998 and see if we even remember them? Ouch. <laughs> 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 so, so 1998 is the uh, start of uh, is kind of the dawn of the internet uh, in getting more widespread. And one of the first uh, the first times you see the power of the internet, it, it comes to fruition in 1998 as the internet democracy selects Hank, the angry drunken dwarf a uh, regular from the Howard Stern show as a write-in candidate on their website for 50s uh, people magazines, 50 most beautiful people beating out Leonardo DiCaprio by 215,000 votes. Uh, do you, do you remember this at all? No, I, well, I wasn't really a Stern guy. And so like a Howard Stern, you know, I never listened to him. So yeah, that, that was totally off my radar. I, I know a lot about it after the fact because I, I got kind of obsessed with CERN a little bit later in life. Howard didn't have a huge presence in Oregon. I think he was on um, one of the Portland rock stations for a little while, um, ah. but never had a huge presence out there. Um, some of the huge movies uh, in 1998, a classic of one of the all-time classics, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Solid flick. Uh, and also an all-time classic, Armageddon. No, very an- another, good. Yeah. Another real uh, – my wife hates that movie with a passion. Why? How could you hate that movie? Well, she, yeah. one, she hates Michael Bay, the director. Yeah, right, she pretty okay. much hates everything <laughs> that Michael Bay has ever done, um, and she just generally hates that movie. Also, another classic for our generation, There's Something About Mary. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen in a long time. That's no. the, that maybe one. That's one to revisit. Probably not with the kids around. <laughs> yeah, Let's see. No, those are good ones. Uh, the only thing I really remember about '98, like as far as like milestones, I think I want to say something like Google started that year or something like that, or or was founded, or you know something about you know when you look back now and say, wow, okay, how big Google is in our lives. You know, I, I want to say Google came out in in it was '98 or. Uh, somewhere around there, at least let's say it that way. I'm looking through to see if I find anything about that. That's that did not make this list. No, uh, well, how could that not make the list? <laughs> I don't know. So no. we we're both sports nerds. Uh, can, let's see if you know uh, any of this. Do you know who won the World Series in 1998? Oh, I, I'm not a baseball guy, man. I couldn't tell you who Well, I'm just going won. through the championships. Yeah, not a, yeah no way. Yeah. The New York Yankees. Uh, shockingly. Do you know who won the Super Bowl in 1998? No. <laughs> I, believe it was, I believe it was the second year in a row for an all-time great quarterback who rode off into the sunset, uh, John Elway and the Denver Broncos. Uh, Broncos, all right, all right. Okay, this one, I, this one I'm confident you'll know. Who won the NBA championship? In 98. Uh, I, I, my first guess would have been Chicago. There you uh, go. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. I was, about, I was about to throw out a Lakers one. Maybe one of the uh, – well, I don't know. Because was that Kobe and Shaq? Not yet. Nope, not yet. Okay, all right, yeah. So, yeah, all right, yeah. So, yeah, Chicago. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to guess against Chicago. Let's see. Uh, NCAA basketball championships. Do you know who won the tournament in 1998? I want to say it was Duke. That would be incorrect. I know uh, that my good my good friend Keith Wersig, if he's listening, he'll know because he can name, like, every single NCAA champion from, like, 1990 uh, until the present. Uh, wow. But that was uh, Kentucky. And another sports highlight of uh, 1998, Mark McGuire hits 70 home runs. Wow, there you go. That was a big year. So, And then congressional hearings just a couple years later, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, Bill Clinton named Time Magazine of the Year uh, after uh, his infamous quotes of, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. So was that the same year he was impeached? Uh, Yeah, yep. There you go. All right. Okay. So uh, let's see. George Michael arrested in 1998 for engaging in a lewd act in a public restroom in Beverly Hills. I know you know (laughs) about that. The uh, let's see. Anything else interesting? Blah, 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 blah. Monica Lewinsky and President Bill Clinton. The news of his extramarital affair and resulting investigation eventually led to the impeachment hearing of Bill Clinton in 1998 by the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big one for history coming back around again. We, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, 20 years later, I think we're due for some impeachment hearings. Yeah, uh, it seems uh, it seems we're on that path at least. 
<laughs> I, I would certainly think so. So here's how is this for uh, history? Now this is this is more for me as a giant nerd. But in 1998, Marvel Comics offered the cinematic rights to almost all of its characters to Sony Pictures for a mere 25 million dollars. Sony, Sony, Sony well. <laughs> re, no, no, Sony rejected the uh, offer and only oh. purchased the rights to Spider-Man for ten million dollars, believing that movie audiences would only care about him. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that, yeah, you're definitely more in that uh, that realm of entertainment than I am. Uh, I've never been. I saw. Um, I don't think it was a. It must have been a Justice League. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, this would have been last year. I think it was the first uh, superhero movie I had watched in a long time. Um, it, w- it was one that came out. It would have been actually about this time last year, fall. Um, and I couldn't even tell you the name of the movie. Um, but but it was where I did learn that whoever the actress is that plays um, Superwoman uh, is, you mean is wo- totally you, hot. You mean Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman? Was it Wonder wow. Woman? Yeah, okay. Right, yeah, yeah, you definitely don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it was Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's Gal Gadot. Right. She is yeah. amazing. Uh, she Wonder, was have, so, so since you haven't really watched them, so have you, you need to show your daughters the Wonder Woman movie. Is that good? Yes. Uh, okay. And it's, and it's all about empowerment of women. Well, you know it's, what they love? It's directed, it's directed by a woman. It stars almost all women, okay. and it's, they a, great, love the, and it's uh, a great movie. The Supergirl series. Yes. Uh, they love that. They're, they're big fans. Very nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought it was a little bit old for them, a little bit over their heads, but they they still like it a lot. So. Melissa Benoist yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it may be a little bit mature for them, considering that one of the main characters is a lesbian. And talks about her girlfriend and all that sort of thing. You know, it's a little mature for <laughs> for younger audiences, but you know, hey, I'm not sure if they've gotten to that point. Yet. Oh, they haven't right. got to that, yeah. that that episode yet. Well, maybe yeah, maybe just that. maybe just keep them on the first season for a while. Yeah, I think I think they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's yeah. see. Anything else of interest? Um, oh, here's here's a super hilarious marketing uh, thing that uh, Burger King did on April Fool's Day in 1998. Burger King published an advertisement for left-handed Whopper. The condiments <laughs> of the Whopper were supposed to be rotated 180 degrees to avoid <laughs> spilling out of toppings from the right side of the burger. It was said to be the ultimate "have it your way" for lefties. Wow, that's that's a that's a good campaign, you know, and cheap. You know, you don't have to have a new product for that. That's that's, yeah. uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Ventura is elected to the governor of Minnesota. Congratulations gr- to him. A great moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Anything else interesting? AOL 4.0 is launched. They used, I couldn't tell you the difference between 3.0 and 4.0. They yeah. used all of the world's CD production capacity for several weeks. Wow, wow. that's crazy. We were probably still on dial-up back then too, right? And did you and you got those awesome CDs? You remember when we used to get those CDs in the mail? It's like here, try every America week, every single oh, week, the you worst. get those CDs. <laughs> the worst ever. Yeah. Let's see. Anything else? Anything else? Do you remember anything specifically about 1998 that you can share with the people? 
You know, we, uh, I would say living in Mill City, I'd say we were fairly insulated from either, I don't want to say insulated, but didn't pay attention. Uh, I don't think we paid attention very much outside of our own little world. And being, you know, an 18 year old kid, you know, there was nothing quite as important as, you know, school, girls, cars. Sports. <laughs> yeah, school. School is super important as a senior. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I was a good student, man. What do you want? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I wasn't one of those. So, yeah. <sighs> now, uh, you know, at that, at that point, like I said, 1998, you know, actually the one um, that always stands out in my mind uh, as a teacher is uh, the school shooting at Thurston uh, in, in Springfield, Oregon, because um, that one still impacts um, stuff that we're doing now. You know, we were um that was two no the year before columbine um and i have a very distinct memory of walking down the hall uh during school being out of class for some reason i don't know um and walking by dan newbill if you remember him uh his oh, yeah. uh his yeah, classroom I have, yeah i remember dan newbill yeah 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 i was walking by his classroom and uh, just glancing and he had a, a tv on and it was uh on some news station and they were showing the chaos um, down in, in, in Springfield, uh, when Kip Kinkle, uh, I want to say he killed two students, um, both his parents and wounded some like nine, 10, 15 other people, um, uh, in that shooting. Um, and that one, that one always seems to me like the, the start of this kind of wave uh, of school shootings, like I said, and, and Columbine followed the next year, um, which was way worse. Um, yeah. but Said, I don't. Um, I don't remember that, and probably because I didn't. I wasn't living in Oregon anymore at that point because I moved. Right. I actually moved away like uh, right before Thanksgiving in '97. Right. Yeah, and this was yeah the next spring. Um, so um, somewhere April May, um, in there. But then I was uh, as a as a college freshman at Western Oregon the next year. Um, I had a couple guys on my floor who actually were Thurston grads, um, and so and they were friends with a number of the victims. Yeah. Well, we really lightened it up right at the end there. That's, uh, that was uh, that was some good. That was that was good. Good job by us. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's find a, a little uh, closer here. Um, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. Um, when you when you it's a it's a start of the college football season, man. Oh, college football yeah. season. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Next Saturday, I'm gonna get to watch Oregon State lose by fifty to Ohio State. That's gonna be That's... awesome. So excited! I, I, I would love to watch that game, but my family and I will be sitting in seats watching the Ducks pound on Bowling Green. Oh, oh congratulations, yes. Bowling Green! That's <laughs> real tough, real tough scheduling there. I'm I'm excited because Inga and I have gone to games every year for the last you know, four or five years, but we always go like to the Civil War or the Pac-12 championship game where it's freezing, it's raining. You know, uh, it's just miserable weather, but you're going to a next game. So this is the first game where we're going to go, and it's going to be sunny and warm. Uh, should be a pretty good time. And I'm taking my, my daughters for the first time um, to continue their indoctrination of becoming Duck fans. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> it's just it's just not right. Yeah. Let's see. Right now, fun. right now, yeah. the current forecast for uh, – down in the valley on saturday is 78 degrees and sunny it's perfect that sounds like that sounds like good football weather 
Oh yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what the forecast is in Columbus, but all I know is uh, the forecast is for ass whoopings, yeah. and it's not I, gonna I, be it's not gonna be a whooping laid on by the Beavers. I can tell you that much. Well, you know what? Part of me, it, like, there's a small sliver. I'm not. I've never been accused of being a Beaver fan, um, but there's a sliver of me that hopes that they at least put uh, Ohio State on the rocks for a little while, you know, get them on the ropes and, uh, you know, make Hope Jackson really nervous. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm really <laughs> excited to listen to all the trash talk. I might have to I may have to mute Hope for for that weekend <laughs> just because I don't I don't need that. I'll tolerate her love of Dave Matthews band and all the other <laughs> stuff that she posts about. But, I, but if she goes after my Oregon State Beavers, it's going to be a problem. Uh, well, I don't think she she probably won't. You know, it'll be like that. Uh, she's you know, cl- where she's you too know classy. You're gonna win. She's, she's too classy be, for that. Right. She's gonna be noble and and magnanimous about it, um, so that you know she can be like looking down on the little brother, kind of like, oh, you're that OSU. Okay. Also, also <laughs> because their coach uh, oversaw uh, the uh, continued employment of a serial abuser. So you know, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, that was a tough one. I, I can't say I followed um, that story a lot. Um, I, I've seen a few comments here and there on social media, um, and so I don't, I don't pretend to know the whole story with Urban Meyer. Um, you know, but uh, Ohio State seems to have a number of problems every year, and yet nothing really that bad happens to them. So, college football is a scam. Yeah. All college sports yeah. are scams. It's all, it's all about everything all about money, sucks. <laughs> um, oh, hey, speaking of everything sucks, have you watched that show yet? I don't want to segue into a whole new section. But Wait, everything? No, what is everything sucks? No, tell me about this. It's a Netflix series um, about uh, growing up in high school in Oregon in the 90s. No. The, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's supposed to be in set in boring Oregon, which is a mere like forty five minutes away from me, um, just outside of Gresham, um, and uh, it's 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 actually an interesting series. It follows a a, a freshman kid, um, and like I said, growing up awkward in the nineties, um, you know, in in an Oregon high school. Um, so it's it's interesting. I've only gotten about three quarters of the way through the first season, but. Uh, it's 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 worth a watch. This and the episodes are super short. So well, everything I, sucks. <laughs> I will have to uh, add that to the rotation. Speaking yeah, of things that good. that don't suck, it's that it's this podcast, and it's time to wrap <laughs> it up. We've been talking for a while now, and I'm sure people, if you're still listening, are probably tired of hearing our rambling. <laughs> but no. I hope that you've learned something. You've enjoyed the enlightenment and the teachings. Of a true American hero in my friend Donnie Hernison. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. <laughs> so, definitely, uh, definitely good to talk, chat. I was just looking at it. Um, I have not used Skype since the last time we talked. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, it and was, it's been uh, a while since I've done a podcast, so you haven't used Skype in a long time. Yeah, so I was uh, March of 2017 was the last time we talked. Um, so yeah, we'll have to do it, uh, again, sooner rather than later. Well, if you're up for it, we'll do it much sooner than that. And, uh, we'll have lots to talk about as we cruise into the fall, fall sports kickoff. There's this little thing called the midterm elections that are coming up. Uh, I would imagine we'll have thoughts on that. So you'll definitely (laughs) want to stay tuned. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you want to follow Donnie, you're on social, you're on the Instagrams and all of that sort of stuff. Tell the people where they can follow you. Oh, uh, 
you can definitely follow me. I'd say uh, my my Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, D. It's either D Hernison or D R Hernison. Um, one of those two. Uh, Instagram is definitely D R Hernison. Um, and there, you know, it's you can follow my pictures of my kids. That's pretty much me. Pictures right? of but, your kids. <laughs> it's really it's yeah. really what I go to social media for now. As you know, it's Trump. It's Trump hate and pictures of children and dogs. That's really what I'm there for. So. That's on that note, way to get we're going to wrap up this episode of Just Another Why Guys podcast. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Make sure that you're liking, sharing, subscribing to the podcast. We're available on iTunes now, so you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search Jog Pod, and it'll pop right up. You'll see the logo. Hit that subscribe button. I really appreciate it. We're still on Podbean. It's jogpod.podbean.com. So follow along, like, share, subscribe, tell your parents, tell your friends. Even tell your enemies because I don't care. I just want people to listen. So you can send emails to me, jogpod at gmail.com, all that fun stuff. We're out of here. Have a great day. Have a great week. I'm Dustin Jones. Always protect the five hole. Too much. Oh, it hurt. Oh, it hurt. Too much. Too much. Oh, it hurt. It's too big. It was too much. <laughs>